0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to One My Night, the podcast that brings you inspirational and personal stories of artists and their journey in entertainment, helping to guide and answer questions and motivate your path in the business and in life. My name is Marcos Luis, and I want to thank everybody for joining me again. And for those who are joining for the first time, buckle your seatbelt because my guest today does it all. I'm so excited to have her here. Please. <laughs> she's a singer. She's a dancer. She is a creator. She's an award-winning actress. She is a best-selling author. She does everything. Please welcome Kim Lee Smith. Hi, Kim.
1: Hey, oh my How God. How you doing? I can't believe it. This is like <laughs> a, a slice of heaven from the past. So, is you know, she? people always say a blast for the past, but blasts don't always mean awesome things especially in the world that we're in right now. So this is our uh, our beautiful little slice of
0: heaven for our It sure path. is. It sure is. First of all, let's let's th- <laughs> I don't even know where to start with you because we we've known each other for a long time and we met in Chicago. And I don't even remember when it was. That was the had to be the early yeah. So but- yeah. We're going to we're actually going to backtrack to where this all began for you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and who you are. Where, where are you from?
1: Ooh, ooh, you know, I was born and raised in Japan. So I lived the first 10 years of my life in Japan. And then my mother is from Leavenworth, Kansas, where I'm quarantined right now. And uh, she wanted to get back home. So my dad was in the military Air Force. Uh, Air Force. I'm an Air Force brat. And uh, so we ended up in Leavenworth, Kansas. And, Leavenworth is a very small town in kansas and um i'm grateful that i grew up here because all my cousins were here my mom's for a family of 12 so there's 150 of us collectively wow a lot uh, of family everybody and like the great thing about it is like we all went to Leavenworth high so there was always a rogers at leavenworth high and so um you know something about small towns is you get to do it all and something about who i am is i've always been A little dramatic. Can we say that? Can we say that? that?
0: (laughs) We can say it. (laughs) It's
1: a little dramatic. And I'm the youngest of three, so I I, I had to fight for the right to be heard. And so that was my journey. And so when I went to college, uh, I went through college. I was a victim of gang rape and um, spent a lot of the eight years from 17 on being in repression from that. And I used that. I say the word gang rape because it was gang rape. Three men, and I, I, I say this because it's part of my transformation. It's part of who I am. But even after that rape happened, I was Miss Emporia. I went to the Miss Kansas pageant. I was a cheerleader. I was in sorority. I mean, I did everything you could possibly could do while in repression. Right. And from there, I started to study uh, law. So I went to go to law school, and I was like this sucks i don't want to do this anymore because it's boring and that's when i bit into the apple of being a performer mm. now i've always been a dancer you know grew up being a dancer always knew that that's where my love was i danced at college um i went to chicago to be a professional dancer and i danced with gus giordano
0: right. so did i so did i
1: they're saying so we yep. were that same. but like gus giordano right. joe hall the whole game yeah yeah so we did that and so When I decided not to go to law school, I started looking for opportunities and Gus Giordano was looking for interns. And so I applied for this internship, packed up everything after I graduated from college, drove out to Chicago with my brother and a bunch of friends and that's where my career began. And I worked in the office and I got all my classes for free. So I danced with the company, got all my classes for free. And one day, my best friend from high school. She always wanted to be in the movie industry, so she wrote a play, and wanted that to turn into a movie. But instead, we did it as a play, and I was directing it and producing it and helping her do that because it was her graduate program, her graduate project. And at that point, somebody kept saying, "You should audition for a play." Oh my god! How come you're not in this? How come you're not in this? I was like, "I'm not an actor. I'm a dancer. I was very very <laughs> dancer." Right. And um, when that show came to a close, there was an opportunity to audition for something. And I auditioned for that play and I made $34.73. That's right, $34.73. Okay, that's big. And I never went back.
0: Wow. That was- What was was the transition? What was the spark that made you go from law to acting, to dancing, to theater, to performing? Had you been doing it all along when you were a child?
1: Yeah, I had done it all along, not acting and dancing, but sort of like, you know, we had a little high school play, but it wasn't, you know, we're we're from a small town, so it wasn't like a big acting community. Right. And I always loved helping people. So, you know, my undergrad was in psychology and I worked at group homes for juvenile boys and I always thought that would be my path. And so I think that's how it ended up going into law was because I always wanted to help kids get a better break in life, right? And working Mm -hmm. in group homes for juvenile boys, it is not... A pretty sight. You know, these kids are coming from really, really bad homes and really, really bad luck. And it was cool to be able to be a a light of inspiration for them. So that's why I wanted to go to law school. But the inside of me, you know, we all know what our insides are meant to do. We all know what we're meant to do in this lifetime. And ever since I was born, I remember my mom years later told me that when I was born, she looked at me and she goes, This one's going to be a star. And it always brings me to tears. Cause it's like, we're born into this world to be extraordinary. We get that extraordinary either beaten out of us or raped out of us or hit out of us, or you're gay out of anything out right. of us, yeah. make us less yes. than you're black. So it's out of us. everything. You're a woman. You're all of these things are meant to tear us down. We don't live in a society where we really build up individuals and you know, we go through education and it's all about, never adding up right never adding up to what you're supposed to be right and so something in my gut always told me that i was a star Uh, i was gonna say that how did how
0: did you find that moment how did you find that thing that that let you know because so many people miss that they miss that calling for whatever reason like you said what what was it that made you find it
1: well i think from the day that we're born, and this is what I believe, I life coach as well. From the day that we are born, we already know, we're all put here for a purpose. And like I said, all that stuff is beaten out of you, but what that beating out of you does, it makes you go further and further away from what you all
0: mm,
1: know. Yes. It's not gonna be good enough. Nobody makes it as an actor. Nobody, right. there's all these things that tell you, you can't do it. So we, we run away from it, we hide from it. And then if you're lucky, you meet, somebody in your life that says oh you should audition for a play and you do it and then that bubble comes back up to remind you why you're here Right. yes like i said i never thought i was gonna be an actor but that bubble comes up and all you can do is go Oof. Oof. and then i never ra- ran away from it again now look remember i was a victim of gang rape and so cut to having all these opportunities but still not believing in myself right, right. Still being on those big stage, I remember being on step off stage and doing Clockwork Orange and being petrified. And I would get off stage and I would ball my eyes out, and then I'd get back on there and do it again because I knew something in my gut was telling me that this was what I was meant to do. Right? And you asked me that question if I could be more specific. We all know, but it's so much easier not to step into it than mm. it is to step into it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's so much easier to run away from to it. Run so away from it. Not to be it, not to own it, not to love it. It's the and fear. So it's the fear. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I decided to act in spite of fear. And let me tell you, I was crying when I got off stage. I would hide because I didn't feel like I was good enough as everybody else. I had so much self-doubt. Got to who I am today. I don't have anymore. But if I hadn't kept showing up, I would still be back there hiding, waiting tables and you know, back in Chicago with right. you proxy and gay.
0: Exactly, right?
1: right. So, yeah, I feel like as we peel the onions of our life and we get to that center, we go, oh, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. Oh, I wish I would have done this 30 right. years yeah. So if our moment right here could help one person like not wait 30 years to make that choice, right. woo, we've done our job. So. Exactly.
0: You're right. You're absolutely right. And And I think that's the important thing. It doesn't matter when but you have to do it because there's something, there's a diamond, you are a diamond, you know, and you have to allow that diamond to shine. You have it, you know, you have it. Whatever that is, whatever you choose to do, but you can't be fearful to do it.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because like, you know, we think just because I'm doing this, this makes me special, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't because I I remember I was living in a place in uh, LA and there were rats oh yeah there were rats and i could hear them scratching on the walls so uh, for some reason i one of my friends in chicago owned the building and i randomly ended up there and he was like holy kid Gimli, what are you doing here and we had this connection i ended up managing his building in chicago in, in la but he still lived in chicago so i called the guy to come get the rat and he was this gorgeous little 23 year old boy you know we were right around the same age and he came in and was just like taking care of business, getting these rats, da, da, da. And I looked at him because I'm very curious about people and why they do what they do. And I said to him, I said, how did you end up getting rodents for people that are scared? And he goes, you know, I had this internship and and I'm gonna start crying because I think of this guy. He goes, I had this internship and this guy was teaching me the business. And in that moment, the first day on that job, I knew that this is what I was supposed to do. I was meant to help people, not be afraid, and to get rid of what their problem was. This is a 23 year old little wow. lad, kid, just adorable. And yet wow. we don't look at that as a great choice, right? Because right, yeah. he's getting wrapped from underneath it, you know, the right. garbage he's collecting our garbage. Right. But the truth is, is we all have purpose we don't get to live without the rat guy we don't get to live without the garbage guy because that would be there would be trash all over the ground but we don't respect them as much as the person that makes the choice that i make or makes the choice to be you know the big lawyer or the big doctor or the big this but everybody has a purpose and so i say that so it's not so much has to be Follow this dream that everybody else thinks you should have. But the dream is what you are born with, what your truth is. Not what my truth is, not what Marcos's truth is, but what your truth is. And your truth could be, I want to be home with my kids because that's what I've always wanted to do my entire life. I want to be a garbage man because you know what? Helping other people, like right now, we're realizing how essential these workers are and how much we take them for granted. Right? right?
0: Yes. And yes. the
1: truth is, is that without everybody, the guy who's cleaning the dishes at your favorite restaurant to the guy who's picking up the shit from the, you know, the, the, right. the everybody is important and everybody. everybody, and don't make, you know, somebody else's big dream, make you feel less than because yours isn't that. And so I guess I say that it's like, everybody has a purpose. Right. And it may not look like your purpose. This just happened to be mine. You know, it wasn't right. what I wanted. I kicked the screen, I ran from it, went to grief, got a degree in psychology, worked, degree, did all of these other things to keep me from pursuing the one thing I was meant to do. And now I'm here being able to bring them all together, which we'll talk
0: about later. And so how do you what do you say to those people who sort of get into the business because they want to be famous? You know, is it? Is it dream chasing? Is it, you know, is that, is that really what the, what the whole art is about? You know, how do you separate the two or, I mean, I, I guess I could say, you know, from go ahead. Keep going. No, keep I was going. going to say, you know, even from the first day of my acting class, my acting teacher told us, so you want to be an actor? Every, she looked around the room, there was complete silence. You want to be famous? If you're famous, if you want to be famous, you in the wrong class. Mm. If you want to get here and do the work and be a good working actor, you'll do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if I just am to speak to that, look, you know, yeah, you could be famous. Mm-hmm. But believe me, if you've ever been on the in this business, you know that you wouldn't wish this business on anybody. Right. You know, not everybody has the backbone to take rejection every single day. I was talking to a friend of mine and he was saying his brother was whining because he had to do a job interviewing. He was like, Bro, I do this every single day. (laughs) I get no every single day. Like, why are you wanting to get one interview? Oh, you've had two interviews? (laughs) So, I mean, so I guess it comes down to, um, I think we should all dream big. So there's nothing wrong with dreaming big, but if you're in any business to be something, to be famous other than being of service to what that business is, you know, if you're a lawyer and you just want to do it to be famous, you're not really doing a service to your clients. If you're an actor and you just want to be famous, then you're not really doing justice to the work that's being brought before you and creating the, and bringing those people to life, because to me, they're not characters. Every story we tell, see every movie we see, every TV show we watch, every documentary, see, all of that is the vessel of telling a story. And our business, as artists, as creators, as actors, as you know, dancers, as singers, all of us are telling stories that inspire other people. So I can't get into yes. this business to be famous. Right. I have to be the truthfulest person that I could be telling the stories that I'm telling so that I can inspire people, right? That's what makes That's you what
0: it's famous. about. What do you say to those people? Who say, oh, look at her; she's doing so well, or she's this, or you know, look at this star who's doing so well. You know, they can say that now because you know they're not where I am. Where? How do I get started? How do I, you know, what do you say to those people?
1: Wait, say that one more time because they're what?
0: If if what? they're if they're starting out, and you know, they they look at you or they look at these stars, and and these stars are giving the advice that that we're giving or we're saying and they, they, they feel like, oh, you know, she can say that because she's a working actress or she's this. Okay. What do you say look, to those people?
1: Look, I didn't, everybody started someplace. You know, Meryl Streep was never, Meryl Streep, she was a girl, There you go. Be an actor, period. Right. She just happened to keep focused enough to do it because look, a lot of people quit. I went through this phase of thinking I wasn't a quitter and then I looked at my list of things I needed to do that I hadn't done. And I realized I quit a lot of things. It didn't mean I wasn't, you know, perfect. It doesn't mean that I was imperfect. It just meant that, you know, anything we want bad enough, we go for and we get it. Right. Right. It's that simple. And most people will look at one of the big stars and go, oh, you know, she probably knew somebody or she did this or she did that. But the truth of the matter is, you don't get there. There, there, nobody's an overnight success, no matter what you think. It may look like somebody is an overnight success, but that person who's an overnight success has already been doing it for ten years. Samuel Jackson was literally an actual crackhead when he started, and with through all of these different ebbs and flows. He was nobody, right? And he got an opportunity, but he'd already been doing it for twenty years, really off and on, before he got where he needed to go. Right. You know, Walter White from uh, what's his name? Uh, from Breaking Bad. Uh, who played Watch and watch, watch. Anyway, yeah, I uh, think either. I'm sorry. We love you, by the way. I know. i happy to forget your name. But again, he could not get paid, let alone. His wife was working more than he was. And he persevered because this is not, and no success comes easily. Right. I mean, when I first moved to L.A., I was looking for quarters on the ground. I wouldn't drive my car unless I had an audition because I didn't want to waste the gas. So I would walk everywhere. And if I could find change to get enough ramen noodles so that I didn't starve to death, then I was doing good. And look, I still waited tables. I was making enough money to pay my rent. I was making enough money to put gas in my car when I had an audition. But I wasn't making enough money to do shit else. And so I had to walk to the grocery store. I walked everywhere so that I would not spend gas unless it gave me an opportunity to make bigger money. And when I say buying quarters, because that was back when ramen was like, uh, ten packs for a quarter, or ten <laughs> packs for <laughs> ten cents. Like that shit was real.
0: So right. you
1: you can't you, you can't judge a book by its cover. Just because I'm doing well, it's mm-hmm. covered nothing but blood, sweat, and tears. I have sacrificed relationships. I have sacrificed friendships. I have sacrificed seeing my family when I needed to, so that I could be where I'm at today. So I don't say this lightly. The only thing that gets you someplace is work. And i don't mean hard work it means joyful work to show up every day to do what you love i would have done anything to be That's in a place right. I, I would not eat to be in an acting class because that gave me joy right. so if you're doing something that doesn't make you want to show up every day even if you were doing it for free then you're doing the wrong thing yes all right yes there creep. we go just the you just
0: took me to church you took me to church
1: <laughs> <laughs> because it, if anybody if my sister and brother still go get a real job, right? I'm, I'm making a full on living on what I do now. And right. they say you get a real job. What are you gonna get a real job? Quit doing that little acting thing. I'm still in a hobby to them, right? So <laughs> 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 Yeah, you know, they still call me Kim instead of Kim Lee. Don't get all He's going so don't yeah. get it wasted. So
0: okay
1: I'm sorry, I was like That's on a
0: tangent. Hilarious. I yeah. want to talk about stage work. Yeah. So now you, I remember you mentioned this before. I remember seeing you in Steppenwolf, A Clockwork Orange. You've done uh, Puttin' Head Wilson. Um, you actually you did it in L.A. too, right?
1: Yeah, that yeah. started my, my TV and film career.
0: Hmm. How, how, how did that work? That was uh, directed by G- Gary Marshall.
1: No, it was at no. Gary Marshall's Theater. At but his theater. Was, uh, Oh, golly. God, that was a great moment. May he rest in peace. That man gave me uh, my future. But I, I'm i going to go back to Chicago and talk to you about that. Because, again, I was literally petrified to do what I was doing. And people kept giving me opportunities because what was there naturally was just there and it was undeniable regardless of if I believed in it or not so my fear didn't keep me from showing up I mean I would still lose my voice because I was so afraid to speak my truth and so I had all of these great opportunities and one of them directed by Meryl Friedman who used to run the life was it life Life lifeline no not lifeline uh lifeline theater Live Bait Theater, remember? Live Bait theater? theater, yeah, yeah, sure. She was just director there. And
0: um, the Chicago, she gave
1: me a couple of really great opportunities at our theater. And then she gave me Puddinghead Wilson, which I played the the signature role, Roxy. When hmm. uh, she then moved to LA and became the Artistic Director over at Gary Marshall Theater, which was called the Falcon Theater. It's now the Gary Marshall Theater in honor of his passing and the, the work that he's done over the course of his life and how he's changed so many people's lives. So uh, thank you, Gary. So I ended up in LA and my friend Tony Stovall was like, you're not gonna believe this, but Meryl Friedman's doing uh, Putting Head Wilson over at the Falcon Theater. I don't know shit. So I go there and Meryl's like "Kimley, <laughs> you've got to do this. He had, she had cast somebody else in that role. And um, then that girl became my understudy and I got to do this role at Steppenwolf. And again, I was still impression and i was scared to death and i hurt myself but that hurt i couldn't move my knee turned into the greatest character choice that you could ever imagine. Again, not giving up, even when I should have been not on my feet, I was still doing this show.
0: Right, yeah. But
1: out of that, Meryl and I are still dear friends, but out of that, Gary Marshall saw me, cast me in Princess Diaries, and that was my very first movie that she I ever did. did in my entire life, and that is how my TV and film career began. It was from some play I did years before in at Steppenwolf in Chicago. See and, that? And here, so. That's, that's, that.
0: that's a pure testament that, you know, you got to put in the work sometimes on stage first and then yep. it parlays yep, into something else.
1: Yep. And for me, like, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any rules to this game. No, right? not at all. No, and I, I say that just because mm-hmm. I think this is part of the excuses that people make not to be successful, right. especially in this business. And We're, getting, we're focused on this business because what can happen is is like, oh, that person went to uh, Yale, so they did really good, but I didn't go to Yale, so I can't be an actor, right? Oh, that part, like everybody has an excuse for why they can't do something, but this business and life really is, we all create our own destiny. So whatever you believe will become. If you believe that you're not gonna be successful because you didn't go to Yale, then you're not gonna be successful because you didn't go to Yale. I didn't study acting, I studied psychology. It's what I've known since the day I was little. People would tell me their life stories, but what I was learning from psychology was storytelling. I didn't realize that till years later. See, but yeah. that's what gained storytelling and understanding of people. Right, right. What people are now. how they, they intricately work. So I don't think you have to start on stage. I don't think you have to start on film. There's no method to this madness. The thing that changes a person's career isn't even going to great acting classes. The thing that changes a person's career is how they feel about themselves and what they feel they offer to this business. Because every great star, you look at, uh, what's her name, Julia Roberts? She wasn't even an actor. She auditioned for that, her brother was an actor and she went in there and and stole that movie, Mystic Pizza, because she didn't care. And she was just playing herself as honest and as authentic as you can be. See, the truth of every character is that we all are a little bit of everybody. If I can't have empathy enough to, to be a character who's lost their child, even though I've never given birth, then I don't understand humanity, right? I, as a human, can play that role in a way that is truthful to Kim Lee Smith. So I'm bringing that person to life because I can have empathy and understanding of what it must feel like to have a child ripped right. from the body. You don't gotta spend a hundred years in school to understand what that feels like. Right. And I had spent all these years in acting classes that finally hit me. I was in a new class in LA and it hit me that the reason kids are such great actors is because I don't have to think about shit too hard. They go, oh, that's my dad. Cool, hey, dad. Oh, that's my horse. Cool. They didn't have 14 hours of backstory behind whether or not that is their dad or not. Right. Yes, yeah, you're gonna gotta you gotta do your homework. But see the, the the laws of imagination. When you were a kid and you were playing Superman, right, Marcos, and you're like, I'm Superman, and your mother would be downstairs and be like, Marcos, come down for dinner. Marcos, come down for dinner. You wouldn't even budge. Hey, Superman, come down for dinner. You didn't have to, <laughs> you flew your butt down there and you'd be like, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> that's Listen, right. There was no drama.
0: No drama, yeah. How much
1: backstory did you have to write to be Superman?
0: Right. That's
1: right. And that's, that's when you really start to intricately build your career as an actor, is when you realize that we are capable of stepping into every single person's shoes that we're about to play and be them because we are human and humanity matters there you go that changed my career forever that's it because i now know that if i needed to go play you i could go play you
0: right right
1: not because i'm you know a genius but because i understand what a human must feel like right in this rig that you're rigged up in right like right I got to do my podcast. Like, podcast, like, art yeah. behind
0: me, the whole situation <laughs> happening. Yeah, exactly. no, you're right.
1: Artwork, like it doesn't take a lot to have empathy, but we spend our whole career trying to get to that place. Oh, if I do enough, uh, uh, me, 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 I, 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 I like all these different exercises to get me to be there. But right. Our Learning and acting is all getting to a place where it's like, oh, what would it be if I was this person?
0: Right. The simplicity of it, Then the layers, the layers come.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. The layers come because you're honest. Because you're honest. Connecting in this moment. Right. So, I don't know if that that answered your question. No, that
0: answered it perfectly, perfectly. Now, I want to talk about your stage work. You, as a writer, you wrote a show. Mm -hmm. It's called Totally.
1: T-O-T-A-L-O-Y.
0: Totally with an exclamation point. (laughs) Tell us about that.
1: Well, remember when I said my undergrad was in psychology Mm -hmm. and then I moved to Chicago to be a dancer and then I learned to sing and then I ended up uh, acting on TV, film and stage. Well, about, God, it feels like a decade ago now, I uh, was donating a kidney to my cousin and I'm not a drug person, never have been. Drugs make me scared and I never thought they were they just made me laugh and be like, why would somebody do that? And that's not judging anybody that happens to enjoy drugs or who happens to be an addict at the time. That is not a judgment. It's just, my choice was never drugs. It wasn't, it didn't make me happy. So I was on morphine after donating my kidney and um, (laughs) morphine makes me talk. And so I am in this hospital room, doctors, nurses, my whole family are sitting around my bed. I'm telling stories of everything. Like I'm just, doing the whole thing, doing the most. So when I finally get off the morphine, I was like, get me off this today. I was on it for one day after donating a kidney because it did not feel right. My cousin was on it for four days. And, <laughs> it and so wow. uh, somebody said, you should write a one-woman show. And at that point, I was really an actor who danced and sang. But the idea of writing just eluded me. And I was like, "Nope, I'm not an actor. I'm a, you know, I, I'm not a writer. I'm an actor and a dancer and a singer. But I was again very hoity-toity about my title. Uh-huh. And uh, so I went back to Chicago, back to LA from Kansas after I donated my kidney. And um, that voice kept popping in my ear. You should write a one-woman show." I was like, shut up, shut up, no, I'm not a writer. You <laughs> have one-woman show and we all know that little voice that tells us what we're supposed to do and we either choose to ignore it and move on or embrace it. But I gotta tell you, it does not walk away. It does not hide from you. you it stop haunting you, it will always be there. And um, so I tried to write this show when I was terrible at writing, it was like all over the place. So finally, I took this class, a, a three-day class And on that Monday, you're supposed to have your scene together. You're supposed to write the story about your life. Well, I the second day when we're supposed to start rehearsing it, I'm telling everybody, they're like, eh, that's a nice manifesto. But like, what are you really trying to say? And the teacher was like, eh. And so I start bawling because I suck, literally suck. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing good about it. So the day is the day before we're supposed to perform and I don't have anything written. So Paula Killen, who is the director of my one show was like, just, you know, just get up there and talk. So I get up there and talk, a friend recorded it. And that was the day that changed my life. Wow. The story that came out of that is actually still my show. No, it's just the back half of it. So I got with a friend and we were like, let's run a space because if you rent a space, there's no getting out of it. You paid for it and you're going to do that show. So he right. was going to do his show and I was going to do mine. But I spent the whole time, because I'm a person who likes to help people, just spent the whole time helping him do his show. So it's two weeks before we're supposed to do a full on show and I've got 20 minutes of our show. And um, I go home and go to sleep. But now remember, during this time, I'm helping him. During this time, I'm Kind of writing something during this time, I've created kind of this end of something that I transcribed and now became the second part of my show. Uh-huh. And um, I went to sleep, and I dreamt the beginning of my show. And I get out of bed that next morning, I start sobbing, I look at the god I'm like, You got jokes, I've been trying to write, <laughs> and now you go give it to me. In the so I call my friend, and he um videotaped me and I transcribed that, put them two together and that became my one woman show. And I share this story because um, I'm not really a writer, but I've written a book. I'm writing another book, but I do also, I do it all through verbal and action because I'm an actress and a dancer and a singer. So my body is so imperative in telling stories. So when I sit down to write, I suck. And I tell that for anybody else that has that same experience that maybe this gives you a little nugget of how to, like, get past your writing block and actually create. I cannot create, like, the normal person or what we call writer normal person because that's not who I am. But because I discovered that, I was able to create a show that's my acting, my dancing, my singing, and my psychology all in one. It is my autobiographical story it has gone all over the world from lithuania to hawaii to new york to everywhere and i am so grateful that i didn't let the fear stop me because i remember getting on that stage for the first time and being like i'm gonna piss my pants on stage in front of all of these people but instead i tell my story i get a standing ovation and um that was the beginning of the journey of ownership of who i am and what i'm able to create and how Powerful of a human, I can actually be cut to a decade later, I am in this position to (laughs) go all the way because I told a story about my life that told my truth that took me to a place where I elevated to a person I never even thought I could possibly reach because I was living in so much fear. So um, that is totally and totally means a full circle Right, I start at this place. This beautiful young girl who gets broken and comes back around to full circle, being this beautiful woman.
0: Mm. Totally love it. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, you must see it. Are, are you still? Is it, are you still doing it? Is it still running? Or are you going to
1: it? it. It's about to be something completely. Uh, I can't okay. even talk
0: about it because I'm. That's alright.
1: But it's, you it's uh, soon and very soon. Yeah, everybody will get to see it.
0: Well, you know, I'm a fan. I saw it twice. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, took the other day of us outside of that little theater. Wow. Inside. So uh, I got to tell you, you know, and I say this not lightly. but I say this, as like, we are such powerful beings. And this society that we live in makes us feel like we need to be small. You know, if we're too big, then people get, you know, Go, oh my gosh, she thinks she's all this. If you're too small, then they're like, oh, see, I told you, she won't work nothing. Everybody got something to say because we're right. all living in this place of fear, and we all just want love and success and 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 support and all of that stuff. But because we're really raising the society to be so fearful and so um, ashamed of being awesome, that we spend most of our life trying to get there. And I gotta tell you, I, I don't. I want a society that's different where we don't have to. Belittle people just for being great, or belittle them for not being what we think they should be. This should be a time, especially with everything that's going on, for us to really look inside of ourselves and ask yourself, what have you always wanted to do that you've never done, that you've just been running away from, and how do you make that happen? Because I got to tell you, you see, you know, 150,000 people dying from a virus that they don't know how to fix and this could be the end of your life, what do you want that life to look like? If I die, What do you want it to
0: look like? Right?
1: If Absolutely. I died, not that I want to, I would say, you know what? I did great things even through mm-hmm. my pain, pain. And I challenge you, I challenge you Marcos, I challenge me, myself, to continue to not let anything stop me from moving forward.
0: Living your life to the fullest right now because tomorrow is not promised. Yeah. It's not. And I'll take it a step further. Help the person next to you. Uplift the people beside you. We have to. We have have to. to.
1: I gotta tell you, the amount of people I've been able to help in my lifetime have helped me in ways they don't even know. Like they're hiring me to be their coach or to help them with their one person show or to do the things that I do to make them become the better versions of themselves. But what I gain from every person I help is it is literally irreplaceable. I was working with a young woman who I helped write her one woman show, and she has Tourette's. And we all have an idea of what we think Tourette's is. Right? We all right. have. Right. And it's a very closed mm-hmm. identity around what we think it is. And when she came to me, I didn't know she had Tourette's. Two sessions in, still don't know. So she finally tells me. And I start sobbing because I think it's one thing and it's something different. And then she starts talking about she can't even sleep at night because her body is constantly twitching. Even right now, Kim Lee, I'm twitching. Twitch, 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 twitch. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. Nobody right. sees it. Nobody right. even right. thinks she has Tourette's. And so what she, gave, what she gave me was an understanding of something that I had kind mm-hmm. of made fun of a lot.
0: Yes. You yes. know? I love that.
1: I make fun of myself a lot, but I make fun of everybody because I think it's fun right. and not in a degrading way, but it's, it's so fun to be able to not take ourselves so seriously. And I'm right there did,
0: with you. Yep.
1: And she's got this amazing show now because she trusted me to help her tell her story. It is brilliant. And I learned something that will change me forever. And that's what help is. Like even, you know, every person you have on your podcast gives you something new. And that's so what it's all about.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to do one more thing, two more things, actually. I want to tell us the name of your organization so people can reach out. and. Uh,
1: so you can find me at KimLeeSmith.com and that's K-I-M-L-E-I-G-H dot uh, Smith. No, Smith.com, Yeah. K-I-M-L-E-I-G-H Smith com. And anything you need is there. My big organization is Embrace Your Cape Enterprises, Inc., a uh, nonprofit and it really is building a new way to help people heal from trauma. Uh, I'd always been focused on sexual assault and trauma and awareness. And uh, over the last many years of speaking all over the world and realizing that trauma is the one thing that keeps us from being anything. And that trauma could be as simple as a teacher telling you that you were ugly or that you're, you can't read, that trauma sticks with you. And so we are currently building a program to start help healing people at a younger age, right? Most people of sexual assault or abuse don't get help till they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s. And by then, they've had all of this um, self deprecating behavior that keeps them from moving forward. And I'm in this group, are trying to create a program that we can start finding healing at a younger age. So, if you've been assaulted or beaten or in so, any kind of traumatic experience at five, you don't have to wait till you're thirty to get help and to get healed. And finding a way to do this in a loving, comedic uh, way, where it's not just somebody going, "If see, if you see something, say something." If somebody, you know what I mean, like right. trying to give them permission. So, I'm working with. Adult trauma survivors, so that if you're five and you talk to an adult male who's been molested by a man, you understand that one day you can be okay, right? At a younger
0: age. So it's for men and women. it's-
1: For men and possible.
0: women. Okay. I've or for been... everyone. Yeah, I for everyone.
1: Say. everyone. Uh, yeah, because i you know, trans, trans everyone. I'm trying to get one of everybody so that. I don't have to just try to to fix this from my perspective, but I can understand other people. I have a friend that went through um, the foster care system, and I've never been to that, but I wouldn't be able to know how to help her if I didn't understand her story. So we're trying to pull together a band of brothers and sisters, because as long as it's men against women or there's a men organization or a woman organization, we don't really find healing because the ultimate healing comes from a society that doesn't really love ourselves. I mean. You know, it takes a lifetime before you love yourself. And why would we have to spend a lifetime to love ourselves? Most people don't love themselves until it's almost too late. And I want people to love themselves before it's too late. Absolutely. Yeah. Embraceyourcape.com. What's that, darling?
0: I was going to say words well-spoken. Well, Kim Lee, thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure to have you here. And I'm sure we've inspired a lot of people. Please, everybody, make sure you check her out. Kimleesmith.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's Smith. subscribe to the social media embrace your cape make yes. sure you find her and and support that organization and, and the
1: social media is uh totally kimley.com or totally kimley is like at totally kimley on twitter at totally kimley on instagram uh kimley smith on facebook facebook google me i'm there you know for me it's all about helping so if you need help and you need to reach out to somebody, I'm a person that actually really does respond. Me, not my assistant, not my freaking other assistant, but me. So if you need help, if you need guidance, if you need an organization to help you find healing, right now, right here, if you're going through any kind of trauma, sexually, uh, physically, emotionally, anything, I know people are at home right now with some of their abusers. And I am telling you, I am here. You're not alone. You are not alone. And if I all I can do is get you into the hands of the right people, reach out. All my information is real information. So please reach out. I don't want anybody suffering in silence anymore.
0: And there you have it. Thank you, Kim Lee Smith. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of One Mike Night Podcast. And make sure you head over to YouTube for the video. <laughs> because one mic night podcast is now on video Hello. and click the subscribe button because you don't want to miss any episodes thank you you can follow me at marcos luis on all social media and thank you again for joining me on one Mike night the podcast
1: bye <laughs>